Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, Dad, this is our, uh, I think our eighth or ninth podcast for after the Christmas break. We're you right- should know, Tim. You're the... You're the- <laughs> I, I don't know. I get confused. The um, we're right in the middle of the World Juniors. Canada got hammered pretty good, six nothing yesterday by the Russians. We're you know, a- you know, Tim, we're pretty even in shots there. Yeah. And I'm not knocking the goaltender, but if we don't get the goal, better goaltending, we'll be out fast. Yeah, and, and that was the one thing. Again, not knocking Dawes. He's been lights out in in the OHL, but. This is his first international tournament. You know, you got the big ice, and you you have the you know the pressure. Nah, he didn't stop. He didn't stop. He stopped the shots. And you know, I hate to be mean to a kid, but I, I got to be truthful on here. And uh, if you listen to Hunter, I've seen this happen so many times before that the team gets so up, so ready, so ready, so ready, and they come out flat. And that's exactly what happened to them. They come out flat, although the shots were almost the same. They uh, they were not ready. They were just the Russians look like a million bucks, I have to admit. and They look w- bigger, too. They look bigger. You know, it, I think it's uniforms or something because the, uh, you have those white uniforms on, you look, uh, you, look, you look smaller. I don't know what it is, but they didn't look good. doesn't make any difference. Uh, we lost the game. Smarten the guy, they'll smarten them up, and they'll be ready for Monday. Let's hope so because it could be off. And then the right reporters will say, there, there you go. Our programs are no good. Hockey's no good. We're, and they just, I, I actually think they love when we lose so they can really zip us pretty good. But, and when we win, well, we won. We should have won anyhow. And I, that's the way I feel about it. Well, what happened to their, their star player is one of the reasons why. You're all right on the money. And, you know, you, and I know what you're going to say is, uh, you know, Bettman comes on, uh, Gary Bettman comes on and says they don't want to go. They don't want to pay the insurance. They don't want to pay anything. Then they go over there. Now, just say uh, Crosby went over there and, and uh, Lafreniere, we don't know how long he's going to be out, number one draft choice. You know, you get an injury like that to your knee, you're not quite as reckless. Not like Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr, I, you know, I used to say to him, Bobby, we're up 5 nothing, And it uh, didn't matter. That's the way he played. And he, he had to retire at 28. And, you know, sometimes you get an injury like that. And I hope the kid comes back because he's a pretty good player. Imagine the poor coach Vermuski. Yeah, and and I remember remember we had a kid, and I remember we were in the playoffs, and we had a kid named Pat Jarrett, and he was terrific. Well, and we weren't in the playoffs. It was uh, he heard it. During- yeah, and he went, and we we're we we're any he, he was terrific. And uh, somebody said, uh, "Your star player, your number one draft choice, uh, just hurt his ankle." Never the same after that. Yeah, he broke his ankle on the uh, even in a camp on the under seventeen. Yeah. And uh, that was the year we had Spezza, and we were hoping to have him and Spezza together on the power play and all that. And Oh, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, I, I remember how devastated, that, that, I like that word, devastated, but I remember how. Well, it's, it's like you say, the, 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 OA, the CHL coaches they're, or, and uh, owners, they're the ones putting all the risk out. Yeah. I don't, I, to me, I wouldn't go with the, but the players, the funny thing is the players want to go, oh, Sure, you want to go. What do they got to lose? They got nothing to lose. They get hurt. Uh, they get still get paid. And who pays them as the owners? Uh, two week uh, 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 in the playoffs. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I went, and this is that injury 
is, as you said at the start, is exactly why they do not want to go in the Olympics. There was an awful injury to the uh, Toronto Maple Police, Mikhailov. Um, he said he might be out for well, more than three months now. How many times have you heard me say about short gloves? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, Gretzky, uh, who set 9,000 records, he had the big gloves. And Bobby Orr had great big gloves. And then they didn't do, did too bad. If I was the owners, I would get together and I would sit down and I would say, Everybody wears the same size gloves. And this guy, this guy had the short gloves and the pitcher in the sun and the little wee glove had fallen to the ice like that. He's out three months, his ligaments and the whole deal might never be the same. I, if I was the owners, I would, have the, I would have the meaning. I would say everybody wears the same gloves because Brendan Lemieux, all you do is block shots with those things. They're, they're like kid gloves. Yeah, he broke his hand the other day too. He, like... You don't want to say the Leafs are lucky, but what if that would have been, you know, Matthews or Marner? Well, it, you hate to be like that. Oh, sure. What, your kid, uh, uh, somebody's hurt, somebody's hurt. But say it was Marner. I mean, he's making $10 million. He'd pay him, he'd pay him uh, three months, four months for nothing. I mean, I, I, hate to be, I hate to talk like that, but it's the truth. If I was the owner, you ha- it's the same thing as the elbow pads. The elbow pads are weapons right now. They read a, and I see the guys putting on their shoulder pads. No wonder everybody runs at everybody. If they had those little Coopers that Shanahan and those guys raised, you would be afraid to hit guys like that because you'd get hurt yourself. I have to tell a story about Bobby Orr and his, and his gloves. How he could handle a puck was so good was because he actually took a kid glove and sewed it on the front. So he actually did not have his hand in the glove per se and and park saw this and park couldn't believe it that he did he had the click he, he actually he could pick up a dime with his glove maybe and nobody else did that so after he retired and everything i was talking to him on the phone i said i said all your equipment all your equipment you had your shin pads and all that where is it now he's well I, um, it's gone what do you mean it's gone who's got it he says well the cat peed on it so they got to give it away well, Dad, it's uh, Christmas time, and it's the holiday tournament, and all through Canada, U.S., there's tournaments going on. And it was at a rink the other day, and the I, I guess the machine that cleaned the ice, I don't know what it was called, uh, was electric. And uh, you, we had a, an incident one time about uh, a diesel Zamboni. Never forgot it was in Rochester, New York. I had a hockey school that started at 8 o'clock in the morning, had to be there at 8 o'clock. And uh, all day we were there, and I, you know, I just kept, I felt brutal all day and everything like that. So I was the last guy out, and as I'm as I'm leaving, I see our our goaltender, a, a great kid, Chris uh, uh, Parker, I think his name was, and he was slumped and he was head down, and I, I, you know, I went over to him and I shook him and I said, "What's the matter?" He says, "Oh," and he woke up as if he woke up. He said, "I have an awful headache. I'm almost." A, and what happened was, and I had an awful headache too, and all, every, all the instructors, everybody had it. And what happened was the fans, they had three or four fans up in the ceiling, and we had a gas powered, I forget what it was, forget what, what it was, but it was, and, and the fumes stayed inside. And if we had stayed inside, the doctor said, if we had stayed inside another hour and a half, all of us could have been died from carbon monoxide. Is that, did I get it right? Yep. And uh, I got them outside. I had to help him outside and all the people in there, but I never forgot. And I thought of the, how how we've really come, we've really come far that we have electric now, 
And I love the I love the Olympias. I love I love they're the nice nice and shiny, nice and red. They really look good. But I, I thought of Chris uh, Parker slumped over and me hardly making it out because of the fumes and how far and how fast and how much better it is now. Well, Dad, uh, when we're doing the podcast, we were looking at this date in hockey, and it was 40 years ago to the day that the Toronto Maple Leafs traded Lanny McDonald to you in Colorado. You know, I never forgot that. I was Ray Muron was the general manager. I, you can spell that with an O. But anyhow, Ray Muron, he came to me and he said, I, we heard through the National that they were trying to get rid of uh, Daryl Sittler. Imagine trying to get rid of Daryl Sittler, but... They found out that he uh, punched Imlac, found out he had a no-trade contract. So to get even with him, and boy, there must have been something back in those days with punch, he, he said, we'll, we'll give you Lanny McDonald. Lanny McDonald. Lanny McDonald. I mean, they want to get rid of Lanny McDonald? I couldn't believe it. Yeah, but they want a, back, a pretty good player back, Wilf Paymont. And nobody ever says that. Uh, so Wilf, Wilf went, and so I went, remember I went to Wilf. I says, Wilf, we're going to make a trade. And they want you to go to Toronto. And he was a good guy, Wolf. He really was a little nuts, a nicey nuts. You know what I mean? Like, I love a player like that. And he says, they won't like me there because I'm French-Canadian. He says, when you score goals, they'll love you there. And a lot of people don't know, everybody talks about that trade, Lanny McDonald. Lanny McDonald played on the line with uh, Earl Thompson and, and Daryl Sittler. And then uh, Tiger Williams played on the line after that was that was one of the best lines. They'd be all making about ten million dollars right now. But the one thing with Wolf was he set a record. Oh yeah, the he, next year, ninety-seven points. Yeah, and he was the t- top right winger they had till Rick Five came along. So he he knew what was going on. But anyhow, we get Lanny. So anyhow, I get a, we get a phone call and uh, and he tells Ray Muron that he's not going to report. And the reason he's not going to report that his lovely wife uh, Adele was pregnant, and he said, why should I come for the rest of the season? He said, you know, and he, he was heartbroken about Sittler, him and guys. They were almost like brothers. And I remember Sittler uh, got in the real bad books. He took the C off. And, and you know, and I digress as I go along. And I remember Brian McFarland said he should have taken the C off. And Harold was so mad at Brian McFarland, he sent him to Montreal for the rest of his career. He had to do the broadcast uh, hockey night in Canada from Montreal. Anyhow... We, I, I phoned uh, Lanny, and I said, look, Lanny, I says, you don't have to practice. Just come for the games. And he says, you mean I don't have to practice? Says, no, you don't need to practice. Come for the games. And a lot of people don't know, but he got 25 goals in 45 games, which is unbelievable. I never saw the guy except for the game. He'd drop in for the game, play the game, score a couple goals, and then leave. Rene Robert who was remember he played on the French Connection line, said, the stick boy pay, spends more time in a room than you, Lanny. Anyhow, he got 25 goals, and uh, he, was, he, was, he was just fantastic. So it shows you don't need those stupid practices. Didn't, uh, didn't Ray Miron uh, get mad that you told him to do that? Yeah, and he said, well, how, how, can, a guy, how can a guy play Ray Miron? You know, he, and you can spell it with an O. He figured it out. How could he go? You know, and I said, look, he's not going to come unless we say, th- we say this. So anyhow, he came, got, like I said, he got 25 goals. He was fantastic. And, you know, I never forgot. We, had, we went to Winnipeg, and we had two or three ga- days off with Lanny. And so somebody kept saying, oh, we're better drinkers in the East and then the guys in the West. And Sh- Bobby Schmatz comes from Sask- Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, or Regina, I forget. 
So Lanny, Lanny and Schmatzy were uh, Bobby Schmatz were good friends on the team. If we only had had a goalie, I look at the, I think, you know, now I'm getting digressing again and again. If we only had had a goalie. I mean, then the next year they went and got two good goalies. Anyhow, I'll, someday I'll go into that. So we have a contest. We have Lanny and, uh, and Kevin Morrison, the great guy from Sydney. They now call we, him the beast, right? Oh, they call him the beast. I mean, he, he could put him away pretty good. He could throw him. He was a great guy. And, so we, I never, I never forget the room. So we have the beer there, and we're all set to go. Like we had two or three days off, we wouldn't do this. So we're so, all there. So what were they doing? So they like they had, they had to, the beer. They like, had a case of beer, and they'd have a beer out in front. Did they had to drink how many? But, well, I forget how many. It was a lot, and 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 I said I think we're in trouble here because I could see Kevin after a couple started to work at it, and 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 Lanny McDonald. I mean, he was just he was having fun. So I remember that was the end. I, I forget how many we had, but or they, and they put them away pretty good. Kevin was good. Don't get me wrong, better than most people. And I'll never forget. He called quits. I won't say what happened. He called quits. He just couldn't drink anymore. Kevin, and Schmatzy, he looked at Lanny, and Lanny said, "Schmatzy, crack me another one," <laughs> and twirled his mustache and went in. He said, "That was the trouble." I had in, I said, my best fighter, I thought he was the best drinker. My best goal scorer was my best drinker. You know, Tim, when I, when I played, we didn't have enough money. So all, all our parties that we'd had were always at the other's house. And somehow or other was always at, Rose was always the, the one had party. So I remember one game, she's had to, she had to stay home because of, uh, uh, you know, getting the party ready and all that stuff it had to be ready. And all the team came thereafter. So she says, well, you take Cindy down. So this, this is my story. So I, come to, I, I went down, took Cindy down. We played the game, and I come home. And I remember I come to the door, and she says, well, where's Cindy? It's holy smokes. I left Cindy. I left her down at that arena. And that was a pretty rough section down around the War Memorial. So I'm going 90 miles an hour, and I can... I, I come in, I still can't, can't find her. She's in, and I go in the dressing room, and there she is standing there, fooling. I forget what she was doing, fooling, fooling with the towels and everything. Boy, I was the happiest guy in the world. Now, Cindy, you're sitting over there in the, in the come on over here, and that's my version. Now, you could tell, do you remember, come on in. Now, do you remember? Oh, I remember all right. I think I was only six or seven years old, and uh, I, I watched you play, and then I, I knew where to go after the game, down by the dressing room, and uh, all the players were coming out, and they were they were out fast because they were going to the party, right? And I'd say, is my, is my daddy still in there? And they go, yeah, I think he's in the back. I think he's in the back. And I kept asking and kept asking. All of a sudden, there was no more hockey players coming out, and there I was all by myself with all the lights turned out at the Rochester War Memorial. <laughs> and it was tough. And like I said, it was pretty tough. I thought you might go outside. Well, it was scary. So I, I go, oh, what am I going to do? I'm just a little girl. So I thought, well, I'll go down where I was never told to go down to by the dressing room. So I go down the long hall and I dread Rochester American. So I knock on the door lightly and out comes Nate. Nate, remember Nate Agnello? Oh, Nate Angel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As a young as a, trainer. As the trainer, yeah. And I said, My daddy, is my daddy still in there? No, he left. Well, you know, the lip starts quivering. I'm almost starting to cry. Well, come on in. He goes, uh, I got some work for you to do. So I, he goes, Your dad will probably be back, be back for you. 
You're, 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 you know, I'd like to jump in while you're here. You're, do you remember the time I got in that fight and I really, like, I cut someday? We'll talk about the fight. Oh. Dennis Eckstall. So I'm in getting stitched up. And, and when you get stitched up, it takes a long time. And um, you uh, tell a story about, uh, now I'll tell a story. When I, I remember getting stitched up and coming out and Rose was uh, standing there and she looked at me, you know, kind of funny. I remember she said something. I forget what she said. But uh, you, now you're a young girl and I come out stitched up. I was still losing blood from a fight now. Tell us what you thought of, of me coming out of the dressing room with the, with the blood. Well, I, I can remember always going to your games and you were always in fights and everything. And I sort of, uh, well, it's pretty cool to see your dad on the ice knowing that he's the toughest guy. But then there was that one fight. Oh, we'll have to tell that story about Pittsburgh, about uh, uh, the, the fight between Gasoff and oh. uh, who was the other guy? Steve Durbano. Oh, you know, Steve Durbano, yeah. Yes, I remember that too. But uh, Anyhow, but, tell us about when I walked out with cut pretty good. Well, you know, we're, we're there, and once again, all the players are coming out and saying, Oh, Rose, wait till you see Don. Oh, Cindy, wait till you see your daddy. Whoa, they're going on like this. So, so, Ma, so you finally come out, and you go up to us, and oh, we're just... We, I mean, you were, your eye was just a little slit. You had all those, and it was oozing and everything. So mom and I took a really close look. And remember what mom said? I forget what she said. <laughs> she says, oh, she goes, I wouldn't have thought a human fist could do that much damage. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I'm standing there big. I know. I'm like, we're, well, you know, that's the way it is. Do you remember taking the stitches out? Oh, yeah. That's a funny one. Now, I remember when I first met Rose, you know, from her, she, she'd never seen anybody in fights and stuff before. So, you know, to get stitches when you're like that, you'd have to go to the hospital or you'd have to go to the doctor to get them. And I, I said, look, take these stitches out of my eye or something. And I, I used to get cut around a lot of the fights around the eye. And, oh, I can't. I remember Rose said, I, I can't do this. I can't do that. I just take the cuticle scissors and take and pluck them out. I can't do that. So I remember... After three or four years, she used to do this. Do you remember what she said to me? Oh, I remember all the time. I sort of enjoyed it too. She, when it was always great when Mom says, "Cindy, go go get the tweezers," because what you do is you pull the stitches up with the tweezers, and then you cut them with the cuticle scissors. I didn't know that. Yeah, like because you needed the thing. Hurt. Yeah. Well, what she used to do was. She used to tweak you with the tweezers, like, and put a little bit of flesh and make you flinch. And then she'd say, oh, oh, Cindy, look, look at big, big, tough hockey player. Look, look at him flinch. Look at him flinch. And she, used I, to like to see, she used to like to see me twitch all the time. She's, oh, a big, soft hockey player. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be tough. And I remember when she started, she wouldn't even touch me before. That's right. Well, we, you know, we, we were tough. We toughened up. Remember when even went up? Should we even talk about you with my teeth and even, like, you toughen oh, me yeah. up? Oh, yeah. I should tell that story. Now, this is the story. Now, it's, it, it sounds terrible, but it it's does. not. It does. It sounds terrible, but isn't it? So you, have, you, have, you were young and you had your tooth and, you, and it was just hanging by a thread. Sounds terrible. Not when I think it was of it. my baby tooth. Yeah, baby tooth. Anyhow. So I said, get the pliers. And I said, so I pull it out. I pull the tooth out. You know, I'm... Sounds terrible to just talk about it. So I remember a guy, our top scorer, and I, I don't want to mention his name. Uh, he got, somehow he got into a fight and he was like a little baby fighting like that. And he, he got beat up pretty good. So we're sitting around at the downtowner afterwards and I'm in the wives and that's what we used to do. We used to sit around 
and talk and everything. And she heard about what I did, uh, and I guess Rose told her, she said, I think that's cruel. I think that's cruel to make your, make your daughter stand there with the pliers and you come up and pull her tooth out. I said, it's too bad your husband didn't learn a little more toughness. He might have not got beat up tonight. She came at me. She was coming right at me over the top. So we used to have a lot of fun. And um, how did we get into this here? Well, I just, like, the thing is, people wonder nowadays, I mean, that's how you get your toughness and you get sort of immune to all that violence. And that's how we were sort of raised. Like, we just Remember the time, Sydney, you had a big, beautiful bite of cow. I'll never forget it, but you got, you grew old. And I could, I made you clean the, you were going to give it to your neighbor's kid or something. And you cried and cried. You couldn't understand why I made you clean the bike and give it to another person. Why could they couldn't clean up? Do you remember that? Well, I remember that. And I remember uh, you and mom really got in a big fight like that because mom took my side. She couldn't understand why I had to clean the bike if I was giving it away for free and all this. So then you two really went at it. And then, oh, geez, I better clean the bike because mom yeah, and dad. You were crying, cleaning the bike. And I'm thinking, I'm being a good guy. I paid for the bike. That's and, right. And I'm giving it away. And here we having a big fight over it. Yeah, you were you you taught me a lot of lessons in life. I mean, that was one of them. You clean, so if you give something away, doesn't mean you got to give it away dirty. So clean it up. You know, and on the grapevine, I loved that show, and, and it was really I had a lot of fun at it. And we had Jerry Cheevers on, and I played with Jerry Cheevers in Rochester, Rochester Americans, and Betty, his wife, and Rose were good friends. And uh, we have a few stories that Jerry starts off that that doesn't make me sound very good, but we have a few stories from Jerry Cheevers. First of all, before you go any farther, I watched the start of the show in a private office with no air conditioning, which is okay. I and see you sweating. <laughs> that's from overweight. Yeah. And you mentioned something to your dog about me being a little flaky. No, or... I said goalies. You know, goalies. Well, that's, be... I used to be You've a goaltender too. Yes. Well, you know, I don't have much defense for that. Any guy who played goal for 20 years and went in and coached has got to be somewhat flaky. You're not kidding. There's three things in my life I haven't done, though, Don. i got to tell you truthfully. I've never talked to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> I've never worn a double-breasted suit. <laughs> And never wore a pink tie, so you figure it out. I played in front of you. I was a pretty good guy. I mean, a few times you get hit in the... You were a good guy. Yeah. I not, can't argue that. Yeah. Not a good player, eh? You're I not going to say, say it. I I said you were a good guy. I could fight, though. Yes, you could. I the greatest could. fight I ever saw, you and uh, Spider Mazer. I, I couldn't believe it. I, that was my first year of pro, maybe my second. You hit each other over the head with the sticks. Yeah. You both in getting stitched up together. I says, I got an, another 19 years of this to go through. <laughs> I think I was about 25. That was a good one. Remember Red Baron said, now you remember the Red Baron. Oh, yeah. I uh, I'd gone through my whole junior career first couple of years of pro without a serious injury. Uh, my wife presented me with a child the night before, a premature child, weighed six pounds, very tough night, and I never went to bed all night. And the first shift down the ice, Red Berenson was a great American League player. He comes down in grapes. And I wasn't sharp that night, and uh, usually when a player come down on grapes, I felt I had to be sharp to bail us out. <laughs> and anyway, he danced around grapes like I expected and let a routine shot go and I missed it and that was the first time I got seriously injured. I lost all my teeth and 40 stitches. And I want to thank you or else I would have oh, been a complete hockey player. Yeah. 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 Crow made you go back, didn't he? Joe Crozier? I got stitched up and finished the game. 
Yeah, stitched up, knocked all. You got the, benched. I got benched. Well, what else is new? You remember, remember the next day he wanted you to practice. I go in and you said go in grapes and ask him if, if I have to practice. Well, the old crow, Joe Crozier, we're talking about our coach, who was a great, great coach. Yeah. I thought uh, he has some funny ways. I Made you go out back out and practice. Pitt Martin, another one. I mean, I, I, I remember. That was the safest thing in the world for me, though. I never get hit in practice. Oh, you're not kidding. We'll talk about that a little oh, later. Geez. How about Pitt Martin? That, that was a scary one, though. I have yeah. to admit this one. That was one of the worst injuries I've ever had in hockey. Uh, once again, Pitt Martin was coming down the ice in the American League, and he was about to either go around or through Don Cherry. I couldn't figure out what at the time. <laughs> and I thought he was going to go around, and I was prepared for that, but he went through him. And I reached out to grab the puck, and my hand slipped out of my glove, and he skated right over my hand. And uh, I think I was out for a good two or three months there. It was a terrible injury. And and then you had to, I it was still like the, you. I don't know why. But, <laughs> yeah. No, you knew played. Uh, I used to, when we get up 6-1, and we did used to get up 6-1, you're in the net. Uh, I used to go nuts because I knew we were going to have in a heart attack any time now. But you never cared about your average, eh? It was always the wins. And what was the record? Now, I want you to tell a record that you set in the National Hockey League. Uh, I didn't set any record. The team well, I played on set a record. All right, don't it. give it that one. We, uh, we went 30, 33 games without losing. And this is no kidding. Uh, of course, you had uh, uh, Robert was playing at the time. And I can tell you a story about that record. We went 33 games without losing, and we had first place cinch, and we were getting ready for the playoffs. And our coach, Tom Johnson, uh, decided that he'd rest Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito the night that the streak was broken. Oh. And it was 4 nothing at the 10 minute mark. Well, so, that sounds like Tom. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> practice the worst practice player in the world. He used to steer the pucks into the net. You remember that? Remember the time I uh, almost uh, had you going there once? Well, if we ever got divorced, it would have had, would have, had to been this time. Uh, we had a week off. We had won the bye, won first place in a bye. And Grape said to me, you don't have to come for practice for the whole week. And I said, well, you know, I got to practice. I'm coming. He said, no, don't go, because he knew I'd ruin practice. The players hated me in practice and everything. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm going. He says, you, no, I don't want you there till Friday. Take a good <laughs> skate and go play the games. Anyway, I showed up. <clears throat> We warmed up in a little bit, and he called all the players to center ice, and he said, you get down the net. And obviously, we were going to scrimmage, and he, I heard him talk, uh, say something to the players, and there was a little chuckle and all that. And I, I really didn't uh, apprehend what was going on. Then all of a sudden, Peter McNabb come down a breakaway, and Peter's a pretty good goal scorer, and he hit me in the stomach, and he raised his arms. And it didn't hit me yet. Then Terry Riley came down, and Terry likes to deke and dive, and he shot into my pads and uh, uh, raised his arm for a goal. And I still couldn't figure it out. Then finally I figured out that Cherry told them at center ice, if they hit me, it'd count as a goal in scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> I threw my gloves and stick at him. It was the closest we came to divorce. Yeah, that's true. I true. How about uh, the story about Bobby in Oakland? Oh, that was, that was a great story. This is a, uh, Bobby, as we all know, and even his teammates, you know, he was the greatest player to play the game. And we're killing a penalty. Eddie Jay was playing goal that time. And I was on the bench and was right next to the Oakland Seal bench. And Bobby got a, was killing the penalty, and he liked to rag the puck. Uh, at all, and uh, he got it and he circled our net, went up uh, the right boards, and one of the Oakland players hit him and, he, and, and knocked Bobby's glove off, but he still controlled the puck, went down inside their blue line, circled around, back around our net. No one could believe what he was doing because he really gave up an opportunity of a scoring chance. Circled our net, the Oakland players started picking him up, picking him up, finally he come bolting down the door, uh, the right side, stopped, picked up his glove, went in and scored a goal. I looked up <laughs> and our bench was crazy. It's a true story. But the, the best part of the story was, even though our, our bench was in a frenzy, the Oakland bench was up cheering too, so I, I knew we were in good shape.
You know, I like that story about Jerry told, but he uh, he was wrong, and I didn't. You know, so I was a great interviewer. I never I never jumped in. What happened was it, we were playing Quebec, and uh, the game before in Quebec, uh, Bugsy Watson was really doing a number on our forwards in front of the net. If you stood in front of the net, he'd cross check. He used to be able to cross check back in those days, so he put me on. And he benched Al Arbor. Well, I knew why he put me on. So I went up. I was the defenseman. You imagine how stupid I was. I stood in front of the net. Well, Bugsy, you know, he had the heart of a lion. He cross-checked me. We had a terrific fight. And it was on television. And I'll tell you one thing. It was a terrific fight we had. Do you remember that, Cindy? Oh, I remember it. Mom, again, she had all the, all the wives over and all the kids, but the game was televised, and, and they were in the kitchen, and, and I saw you. You were up in the stands, weren't you? you went, oh, no, I, don't, I didn't go up the stands in those no, days. No, it was fight, and I, I yelled, Mom, Dad's fighting again, and everyone came in, watched the game. And, and I think she said something about, I remember you telling us, saying something, what are the odds that he would have a television game he'd have? So anyhow, that's what happened. So I, I come back to Rochester, and, you know, the crowd liked me because they had a pretty good fight. They saw it on television. So I get on the last minute, and, and yeah, Berenson did walk around me because my le- legs were like lead. And, and if you've ever sat there for the whole game, anyhow, he went around me and he got hurt. But I rem- I'll have one more story about Jerry Cheevers. And then we're going to next week, uh, round Thursday, I think we're going to do the punch out of Piastani. You remember that one? But I have one more story to tell about Jerry Cheevers for now. That I remember we, we hadn't lost in 18 straight, but we were playing lousy. The last three or four games, we were lousy. And it was, it, they were bouncing in off our bums and then off skates, and guys were putting their own nets. And I, I knew we were playing lousy. So I had a meeting with the players. And um, I'm having, listen, you guys, you were playing lousy, and the guys are picking her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 18 straight, and I'm trying to tell them they're playing bad. You've got to be playing. You've got to play better. you got to, mm-hmm. and they're not paying. I can tell they're not paying attention. How can you give guys heck when they haven't lost an 18? So I remember I go up to Jerry, you know, and he's taping a stick, he's, and uh, he's turned the other way. And I said, Jerry, Nobody, nobody listens to you when you've won 18 straight. He said, what? 